Hey family, welcome back to Vive at Home. I want to let you know that we truly miss you. Uh, we're also praying for you. And I can't wait until we can uh, be able to gather again. Uh, it's going to be a great day of celebration, the day that we're able to come together back into the house of the Lord. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm the lead pastor here of Vive City Chapel. And if you're a guest here with us online for the first time, I want to thank you for spending your day with us and really allowing us to bring life to you right into your living room, your bedroom, or even into your kitchen. Uh, family, if we could just send some hearts right now to welcome all of our first-time online guests, that'd be amazing. Come on, yeah, yeah, let's send those hearts right now. Uh, let's jump into God's Word uh, today. We're going to be looking at 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. And it reads, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Raphaim. Verse 19, So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. Verse 20. So David went to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there, and he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me, like a breakthrough of water. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for who you are and for how you have protected us and been with us throughout this entire time, O oh God. Father, I pray, Lord, would allow your word to go forth and speak to each and every single one of our hearts as it encourages us and challenges us and motivates us to live the best life that you have called us to live in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could put a title on today's talk, it would be Survival Strategies. Survival Strategies. So the other day, I downloaded a few games on our Fire Stick device really to accommodate to uh, Peyton's need for recess every 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I downloaded these games uh, for him. Now, just to let you know, some of you guys already know me, some of you guys don't know but as your pastor, you know, I have no sporting abilities at all. But even when it comes to vi playing video games, that also is pretty much non-existent. So if you ever find me playing a video game, either on my phone or anywhere else, always make sure you look. It will, more than likely, it will be on the auto mode for my personal ego. All right. But that, that's besides the point. So here it is. I, I, I download this game uh, for Peyton. And I'm testing it out, just trying to see how it works so I could show him, hey, this is the buttons you need to press so that he could be able to navigate through it. But as I'm playing the game, I keep dying. And this kid has the nerve to say, hey, dad, you know you're not supposed to die. And at this moment, I get into my feelings and I throw the fire stick at him. And just in my heart, I'm praying, I hope he doesn't get past me. I, I hope he dies. I hope he doesn't get past me. And so he's playing, as he's playing the game, he's playing, he's going through it, <clears throat> going through um, the first level, and then he finally gets to the second level 
of the game. And he's like, you know, Dad, this is a little hard, but you know what? All you got to do, you just got to make sure that you know how to survive. And the truth is, sometimes we all have reached a place in our life where you have so much coming against you, and the only immediate objective on your agenda is to just make it through the next day. Now, I, I, know, I know today I may not be preaching to everybody here today, but some of us have been in places where life, <clears throat> life will bring you wave after waves of problems after problems of issue after issue and challenges after challenges and enemy after enemy, sickness after sickness, and you've reached a place where all you're trying to do is make it to the end of the week. Where you're like, Jesus, I don't need you to give me another house. I don't need to win the lottery. I don't need to be promoted. I'm just trying to keep my mind together. I'm just trying to make it through the end of the day. I'm just trying to not lose my sanity. Family, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever found yourself in a mode of survival where you just are trying to survive? where all you're trying to do is just get by. All you're trying to do is make it to the other side. All you're trying to do is keep your head above water. I'm just trying to survive as a school teacher. I'm just trying to survive as a lunch teacher. I'm just trying to survive as a disciplinarian. I'm just trying to survive as a custodian, as a parent, as a spouse. Some of us have found ourselves in this season with everything that's going on around us where we just tell ourselves, I'm just trying to make it through the next day. And the truth is we all enter into this posture and this state of mind when you realize that you've redefined winning as survival. All I want to do is just make it through where I am right now. And I believe there are many of us as parents or even spouses or even extroverts that are saying, I just want to survive through this pandemic. And I believe this is where we find David today in 2 Samuel chapter 5, where David is elevated above all the tribes of Israel, and he's anointed as king during this time. And, and the Bible begins to say that shortly after he takes his position as king, he is immediately thrown into survival mode because it says that all the Philistines come and wage war against him. Now, now I, I want to make sure that we, we, we realize what the Bible says, because the Bible emphasizes that all the Philistines come against him. The, the, the reason why it emphasizes this point, because if we remember when David defeated Goliath, it was only a portion or a segment of the Philistines that he was dealing with. But now at this season in his life, David finds himself against all the, Philist the Philistines where he's trying to fight for his life. He's trying to survive through this season. And real quick, as we dive into this message today, I just want to lay three quick realities for, to help us understand the context and the background of what's going on in the life of David. Three quick things um, as, as we dive into this word today. I want to give it to you for free. And the number one, the number one thing as we dive here is that number one, there are no associations that can keep you out of the struggles of life. There are no associations that can keep you out of the struggles of life. Family, I need us to understand that in this world that we live in where we are told, it's not what you know, but it's who you know. 
You, you can hook up with Lottie Dottie and everybody and still find yourself struggling all by yourself. Just in case you did not know or you might have forgotten, understanding where David is coming from in this context and also understand the background. David, when he was running from the previous king that he just replaced, King Saul, David, when he was running from him, David goes and he finds shelter and safety with the Philistines. Understand this. He goes and finds shelter and safety with the Philistines, the same people who are trying to kill him. Years ago, he spends a year and four months with them. And while he's with them, he makes associations with them. He makes allegiance with their kings. At this point, they know David. They trust David. David is their homeboy. But, but now that David is king, the same folk he's hooked up with are the same folks who are now coming to try and tear him down. Because the truth is, it doesn't matter who you got hooked up with, because sometimes the very folks you think that you're connected to are the very folks that will come and tear you down. So number one, real quick, there are no associations that will keep you out of the, the struggles of life. But also number two, there are no affluence. There's no level of affluence that will keep you out of the struggles of life. I know this week, many of us, we're excited. A few of us, we feel like millionaires because there's a few zeros in our bank account. There's a comma finally. We haven't seen that comma in a very long time. But here it is, the reality in our text today is that the minute that the Lord elevated David and increased the territory when he became king, the Bible says that's when the Philistines tried to come against David. Because it suggests that even though he's richer than he used to be, he's bigger than he used to be, he has a title larger than he had before that did not prevent him from having to go through the struggle and the battle of his life. In other words, I don't care how much money you may have or how much money the government may have deposited into your bank account or how many degrees you may have um, on, on your wall. The reality is none of us, none of those things shield us from the battles of life. Can, 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 I, can I just be honest and talk to somebody real today? Stop comparing yourself to your friends. Stop comparing yourself to your neighbors, thinking that just because their house is bigger or thinking just because their car looks newer or their clothes smell fresher, that does not mean that the grass is greener on the other side. That does not mean that their ice is colder. That does not mean that their water is wetter. Everybody knows what it's like to be in survival mode. So here it is. There's no level of association. There's no level of affluence. And lastly, there's no level of anointing that will shield you from the realities of life. If, if we can remember, this is David that we're talking about. David, who 17 years ago, he was anointed to be the king of Israel, where the Lord placed his hands over him and showed favor to David. This, this is the same David who knows how to praise and worship God. The same David who writes songs that we sing and meditate on today. If anybody is anointed, it's David. But yet the truth is, despite the anointing and the favor of God over his life, that did not shield him from the struggle and the issues that he's going, and the battle that he's going through in this life. Family, today, I want to remind us of some verses that we may have glossed over or skipped over over our, um, our reading of Scripture. 
Jesus says that God allows for it to rain on the just and the unjust. Jesus says that do not be shocked when you see um, experience trouble in this world because I've overcome this. You see, it really doesn't matter how well you think you can pray. It really doesn't matter how, how well you've marked your Bible. It does not matter how well <clears throat> you can pray for somebody else or how often you come to church. It does not matter how anointed you think that you are. You still will experience trouble and pressure from this life. So the question is, what does David do? What does David do when he's confronted with the battle of his life? What does David do when he finds himself in survival mode? What does David do when he's faced with the problems of life? What does David do when he's about to battle all of the Philistines? What does he do? The Bible says that he goes to the stronghold. Someone right there in the chat writes stronghold. Yeah, he goes to the stronghold. Just in case you may not know, let me give us some background and some context of what is a stronghold. A, a stronghold is a place that David runs to where he finds strength. A stronghold is where he goes to calm his spirit to get clarity over his issue. A stronghold is a place of refuge, restoration, and revival and renewal. Stronghold is where he goes to get charged up so he can deal with what is ahead of him. A stronghold is a place that David goes to get re, um, re-energized and get what he needs to get. David shows us that before he engages with his enemies, he needs to escape to a place where he can hear from God. But but before I gather up my gear for battle, I've got to go away to a place where now the Lord has my undivided attention. Before I get into this struggle, I need my Savior to strengthen my spirit, to give me what I need to deal with what's ahead of me. Before the pressures of life tries to suffocate me, I need God to give me a plan of escape. I've got to go to a place where God can talk to me and I can listen to him. In other words, we all need a stronghold. Someone right there, right on the chat, I need a stronghold. I need a stronghold in this season. I need a stronghold in this moment. I need a stronghold with what's going on all around me. We all need a stronghold. The truth is you need a place where you can go and get what you need for your spirit, a place that you can go and get what you need for your faith, for your mind, for your heart, a place where you can go so you can deal with the pressures of life. You need a stronghold. And today I just want to ask you a real quick question. Where do you run to when you're in survival mode? Where do you go when the pressures of life come against you? Or better yet, who do you run to? But for some people, it's that corner store. It's that bodega. For, for others, it's the ministry of the sawgrass mall or the swap shop. For, for, for some others, it's the bedroom of a boo who knows how to make you holler for one minute. But David understands that when I'm being pressured by life, what I need cannot be found in a drink. What I need cannot be sold um, at the mall. What I need cannot be found in the bedroom of a lover. What I need can only come from the Lord. And I need a place where God can minister to my heart and speak to my soul. Everybody needs a stronghold. Everybody needs 
a place where God can speak to them. If you look throughout Scripture, you'll find that almost every person had a place. Abraham had a place. It was called Bethel. Jacob had a place. It was called Peniel. Moses had a place. It was called Sinai. John had a place. It was called the island of Patmos. Jesus had a place. It was called the Garden of Gethsemane. Family, we need to understand, everybody needs a place where God can speak to them. And there are some people that you are connected to, your family, your friends, your co-workers, that live outside of this city, that live outside of the states, where Vive at home could be their place. Because the truth is there are some people that would ne never step foot within the four walls of this church. But now we have the opportunity to bring church to them, where God can encourage them right where they are. God can strengthen them right where they are. God can equip them right where they are, because everybody needs a place to be strengthened to be encouraged, to hear from God. If you would permit me, I'd like to push this text even further. When we look at verse 20, really and truly, there's no indication that this is a religious place that David goes to. It, it, it doesn't say that he runs to the house of the Lord. It doesn't say that he goes to a church building. Truthfully, if you think about it, the temple wasn't even really built at that time yet. And if you were to take some time during this week and read 1 Samuel chapter 23, you will find that when David is on the run from Saul, he creates a stronghold in the wilderness, which seems to suggest that the stronghold does not have to be limited to a religious institution. <laughs> it does not have to be limited to a church. Man, I believe that this quarantine life is going to change our perspective. It's going to change the way that we do things. It's going to give us a new normal. It's going to allow us to see things differently. And this is why I came to tell somebody today, if your stronghold is on 6th Avenue, uh, you're in trouble. If, if your stronghold is on a Sunday morning, you're in trouble. If your stronghold is the church that you go to, you're in trouble. Why? The reason why is because today is proof that the church building is not always open when you need strength. The worship leader is not always singing when you need encouragement. Your preacher does not always have the mic when you need to hear a word from God. Which is why church cannot be your stronghold. I know that's going to rock somebody, that's going to shake somebody, but that's why I believe that this season is going to allow us to see things differently and do things differently. You see, this is why the stronghold that David goes to, I believe it's not a where, but it's a what. Mm, stick with me, stick with me. The stronghold that David goes to is not a where, but it's a what. It's not necessarily where he goes, but it's what he does what he does that creates a stronghold wherever he's at. You see, the truth is, so many times people have a misunderstanding when they come into the church building. Because many of us, we think that church is supposed to be a where and not a what. You, you think that church ought to be the where and not the what. What you are supposed to do. 
some of us really, we come into this place for about 60 minutes. And then while we're here, we leave and we said, you know what? I didn't get nothing at all. Because the truth is, you came to the where, but you did nothing with it. We all have the assumption that the what is only supposed to be done by those who have a microphone. It's the worship leader that's supposed to sing my song. It's the pastor that's supposed to preach my sermon. And if they don't do it the way that you want it to be done, if they don't do it the way that you like for it to be done, you leave and you say, I got nothing out of this. Right here in this text, David shows us that it's not necessarily where you go that creates a stronghold, the strong tower, but it's what you do. That's what creates the strong tower. The Bible says that wherever he goes, he inquires of the Lord. That whatever David is, wherever David is, he calls on the name of the Lord. Because David has found out that wherever I am, whatever I am going through, wherever I wake up, if I can call on the name of the Lord, if I can call on the name of the Lord, that very place becomes my strong tower. Mm. The very place that I'm in. There's a story that's been told of Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley is the mother of John Wesley. Susanna Wesley had about 19 children, and she was pretty much considered to be a single mother. Single mother because her husband was in and out of jail. But despite how busy she was with taking care and caring for her children, she realized that she needed prayer. So she realized, because she realized that she needed prayer, she would always find a way to escape, to spend time with God. And the way that she would escape to spend time with God is that she would take her apron and place it over her head. And the moment that she placed the apron over her head, that was her place. That was her strong tower. That was the place where she could connect with God. And the thing that I love is that her kids knew Whenever mom had her apron over her head, mom was being recharged. Whenever her kids saw that mom had her apron over her head, mom was being refreshed. Mom was being um, rejuvenated. Mom was releasing the stress. Mom was releasing the worry. Mom was talking to God because the very place that she was in was her strong tower. That's where she could connect with God. She did not have to run to anywhere else, but she knew right where she was. She could have communication with God right where she was in the midst of everything that was going on. She could connect with God. I don't know who this is for this morning, but truthfully, it doesn't matter how bad the situation is. It it doesn't matter where you wound up, found yourself in life. I believe that whenever you call on the name of the Lord, right where you are, he'll strengthen you. Right where you are, he'll equip you. Right where you are, he'll open the door. Right where you are, he'll make a way for you. You just got to call on the name of the Lord. Real quick, someone right there on the chat, just write Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just write Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Right where you are, I believe that he comes and he provides for you what you need in your very time of need. Proverbs 18, verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower where his people do what? They run for safety. In other words, you don't have to run to the church. 
You don't have to run to the building. But right where you are, once you call on the name of the Lord, that's you running to his arms. That's you running into his presence. That's you running into his peace. That's you running into his comfort. That's you running into his joy. Once you call on his name. This is why while you're at home in quarantine, you just call on the name of Jesus in the bathroom, in the bedroom, in the kitchen, while you're helping your, 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 your child with their homework, while you're with your spouse. When you just call on his name, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Family, I guarantee that all his angels would come and provide the very thing that you need at that moment. Let's take a look even further. In looking into this passage, what's interesting is not that David calls on the Lord, but really it's in verse 19. It's what he says. It's, it's David's prayer. It's the content of David's prayer. That's what catches my attention. David prays, Lord, this enemy is coming to attack me. Do you want me to attack back? Let's bring it back. The army is coming to fight me. Do you want me to fight back? Bring, bring it back again. I want to make sure we get this. David's prayer, the content of David's prayer. The army is coming against me. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to do anything? Family, I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like David is asking a rhetorical question. Because, because the most obvious thing to do, the thing that makes the most sense for David as a king is to fight back. It's to fight the Philistines. It's to defend the people of Israel. But check this out. David does not automatically assume that just because it seems obvious, just because it makes sense, that God's involvement in the process should be omitted. Mm. Let me repeat that again. Just because it makes sense, just because it seems obvious, David does not automatically assume that God's involvement should be omitted in the process. Family, understand, David chooses to seek God over doing what makes sense. David chooses to seek God over doing what, um, over doing what, he, assume, what he could have assumed to, to, to be right. David does not allow his assumption to stop him from seeking God. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I know for myself personally, when the pressures of life come, when life comes and hits me and pushes me against the wall, when I find myself in survival mode, when my, that's when my wheels begin to turn. And as my wheels are turning, many times and often, I fail to seek God. I fail to seek God's guidance, God's direction, and God's wisdom. And I just assume that I know it. I assume that I know it. Because when the pressures of life come, that's when you find yourself in survival mode. That, that's when you're going to be pushed towards doing what makes sense to you, doing what looks right in your own eyes. And what that naturally does is that that removes God out of the equation. But understand, David seeks God's response for something that's obvious. 
David seeks God's involvement for something that should have made sense. David seeks God's answer for something I would have thought he would have had the answer to already. And many of us, we just assume that I know that because times are tough, so that automatically should mean I should get another job. I, I, I assume that I know the best way to homeschool my kids. I assume that I know the best thing for my marriage right now. I assume that I know the best financial decisions to make right now. And the truth is, this puts us in a position where now I'm operating out of a religious spirit, operating out of a religious position, just doing things just to do things. Because I'm relying and I'm depending on principles instead of God's presence. When I rely simply on principles and not on the presence of God, I do things just to do things. But what God is looking for, he's looking for a relationship. And when I live in relationship with God, that's when I'm able to live out my purpose because now I'm relying and depending not on principles, but on his presence. Check this out, family. In this passage right here, on two different occasions, in verse 19 and verse 23, the Philistine army, they come twice to attack David. Twice to attack David. David's response is to seek the Lord. Both times, his response is to seek the Lord, to call upon the Lord for something that seems obvious. Lord, what is it that you want me to do? How is it that you want me to go about it? David prays the same prayer both times, gets the same promise of victory both times, the only thing that is different in both these scenarios is the process. The process is different. How the Lord wants him to go about both these two scenarios, those are the only two different things. The problem is the same. The prayer is the same. The promise of victory is the same. It's that middle portion, the process. How does he go from prayer to the promise of victory? That is the only thing that changes. In other words, what I believe that God is saying is that at the end of the day, you win. At the end of the day, the promise is yours. But truthfully, God just wants to be a part of every detail of your life. God is more concerned about the process more than the promises over our lives. Because he understands that the way that the person that you become is really and truly a result of the process that you go through. It's the process that makes a difference in all of our lives. I was telling my wife the other day that no matter what happens and, and what goes through this, how, how this pandemic goes through, at the end of the day, as believers, we win. We win as believers. But who you become after this is a result of how you process this season. It's a result of how you involve God in this season. There are so many decisions that we could make that seems easy to make, that seems obvious to make. But the question is, are you going to include God in those decisions? Today, 
There may be someone who just needs to learn to run to God, to call on him, and entrust their life into his hands. There may be someone else who just needs a church family, a strong tower, a place where they can be encouraged and equipped and challenged. Or there may be someone who just needs to include God in their simple decisions, in their everyday decisions, in the things that just seem obvious. Where do you find yourself? Have you been leaving God out of the equation and just doing what you think is right? Just assuming the best decision? For many of us, it's easy. Because we've allowed the pressures of life to put us into a mode of survival where we're just doing what we think is best. But God's like, no, 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 no. No, I want to be included in every decision that you make. When it comes to your children, your spouse, your family, work, your finances, don't allow life to pressure you onto a wall where you're making decisions on your own. As a family, there's a few things that we do throughout the week. Number one, we give an opportunity for you to be able to hit the reset button. Hit the reset button when it comes to your relationship with the Lord, allowing you to really and truly say, Lord, I realize that I'm not God, but you are God. If, if that's you today and you realize that you've been trying to play God, especially during this season, I want to give you an opportunity. As I pray, pray in your heart. Be praying out loud, just saying, Lord, I understand that today I'm not God, but you are God. Today I want to get to a place where I realize that I can call on you, even for the smallest details of my life. For the things that might seem unimportant, they are important to you. And you want to be a part of each and every single one of those decisions in my life. Because it's your involvement, it's heaven's involvement in those decisions that allows me to be shaped and to become the person that you have called me to be. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to come and die on that cross to allow me to have a relationship with God the Father, a relationship with heaven that allows and guarantees a promise of victory on this side of earth and on the next. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus and the Holy Spirit that walks with us and that talks with us to make the right decisions in every step of life. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you've made the decision to reset your life, I believe that's the best decision that you can ever make in your life. Real quick, if, if that's you, you can uh, press, you can, excuse me, you can type reset to 555-888 or even right there 
on the online platform. You can raise your hands and someone will connect with you. That, that's, that's our heart's desire is to connect with you and do life with you. Because some of this may not even make sense to you even right now at this moment. But doing life with someone, someone that can walk with you, that allows it to just be a little bit more easier. And you can connect with someone else. So right there, if you can text um, um, reset to 555-888 or raise your hand on the online platform and we'll have someone connect with you. Another thing that we do is we give an opportunity for everyone who is a member or connected to our church, Vive City Chapel, to be able to give. I want to say thank you for each and every single one of you that have given to um, our vision here at the church, which is to bring life to everyone, everywhere, every day. Just also, again, this past week, we were able to give lunches out to students. We had a line of cars coming in where we were able to um, bring life to them, bring a meal to them for students who are unable to, um, to have um, a meal every day. So I want to say thank you for that. So that you can continue to partner up with us and um, walk alongside us with us in this journey and impacting this community, the city of North Miami. Um, there's several ways that you can do it. You can either give online to vivecitychapel.org slash give. And right there you can set up a reoccurring giving if you'd like. Another way you can do it, you can use Zelle or Cash App. Our email address for those two applications is info at vivecitychapel.org. You can give through there. And if you're like, you know what, I don't want to deal with technology, that's completely fine. You can also mail your giving to us as well to 15651 Northwest 6th Avenue, Miami, Florida, 33168. Last thing we do, family, you already know, we declare our vision statement, which is to bring life to everyone, everywhere, every day. Come on, family, you already know how we do it. One, two, three, shall bring life. One, two, three. One, two, three. God bless you. We love you. See you guys next week.